And I'm Molly. And this is Black Chick Lit. And we read a book. We're back at you with a book. I'm proud of it. Remember us. those? <laughs> you remember reading? I'm slowly getting back into it. I was like, okay, here we go. You used to do this. I told Molly I was writing the synopsis and it was like like a rusty, like trying to open a rusty gate that hadn't been opened in a while. I was like, come on, put a little WD-40 on it. So, <laughs> but we got there. We did. We did. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, we got a synopsis. That's all that matters. How are you, yeah. Molly? You know, I'm hanging in there. That's good. How are you? Uh, same, hanging in there. Yeah. Uh, so... I would. I wish the sun would shine. So, it's been right in there. It's been cold. We got like the spring can't make up its mind if it wants to come or not. Um, it's some mm-hmm. days it'll be like eighty degrees and it's warm and it's lovely. We literally like two weeks ago had snow. So today it was. That's cold. ignorant. Yeah, it was <laughs> anti-black. <laughs> today, today it was like um, fifty degrees and drizzly, and I was like, you gotta, you gotta figure it out, like. <laughs> It's like one way or the other. Cause it, it my upper respiratory tract does not enjoy all the change. It wants mm. it wants to get used to something. So but other mm-hmm. than that, it's been pretty chill. So tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow is Mother's Day. I sent Molly this invite and then I asked her, like, Yeah, can we record? And she's like, Yeah, and I totally forgot. Oh. Don't even worry about it. Mother's Day. <laughs> Somebody asked me if I was gonna do anything for my sister on Mother's Day and I was like <laughs> I was sheepishly I was like She's not my, she's not my mother. Right. <laughs> I was like, and now I feel like, like, should I, should I, I'll get her a gift certificate for some Starbucks. Oh, I'll do that actually. So there we go. There you go. Okay. She'll appreciate that. So. They, you know, coffee. Oh, they got a brown sugar one now. They've got cold, like, it's not cold brew. It's just cold coffee you can buy in the store and it's already sweetened. I've been mm. throwing that back. Mm-mm-mm. I have seen a lot of people here we're talking about news a lot of people on bookish twitter talking about coffee addictions right mm-hmm. and I would like to offer to everyone decaf hear me out I like decaf it's it's good it scratches that itch it does because the problem with me I don't know if you saw my tweet the other day where I was I like did. why do I feel like I'm about to have a panic attack what's going mm-hmm. on and then I recalled mm-hmm. that I like shotguns <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. 12 like 12 cups of coffee that morning so mm-hmm. I try not to drink coffee because it, it it gets me jittery it gets mm-hmm. me energy that can't go out in a good place it's not like I'm up mm-hmm. and can do things I get anxious mm-hmm. so decaf mm-hmm. is lovely decaf it it does it for me it's like I just need a warm mug to hold exactly I want something warm and coffee scented mm-hmm. it really it really changed the game for me I'm gonna have to see uh-huh. I would have to send you this New York Times story I read a while back about how there's this company that's trying to quote unquote I read that too. Re- <laughs> rehab decaf's image because <laughs> apparently there are people who really hate it. Yeah, they really do. I, I do remember reading that. And when I read it, I was like, whatever. I can't see any point in it. And now that I'm old and my guts hurt, um, <laughs> I get it. It's hard. Like the, so I work at a college campus and some of the, some of the coffee shops, like they don't even have, if you go and get a regular coffee, they have it in the big carafes and they can just pour it up for you easy. Mm-hmm. If you want mm-hmm. decaf, they basically have to give you a decaf espresso shot, mix it with water <laughs> because they don't have decaf coffee just sitting there. And then I used to be the dumbass who would get half and half. I want half decaf, half regular. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it would be a whole thing. And I'm like, I'm sorry. 
It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, too. <laughs> but it's good. I got my coffee maker at home, me and my mother-in-law. <laughs> you get your decaf? That sounds lovely, actually. Cause, and then with decaf, I would like a cup of coffee right now that we're talking about. Yep. It. If it's 1030 yep. at night, if it was, I could I do just that. do it. I just do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, mm-hmm. Well, if you got this far, we are a book podcast. <laughs> yes, we're going to get to it. We read a book. A book I really enjoyed. Yeah. We read Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Mm hmm. Which I guess was a Reese Witherspoon pick. Yeah. So, which is perfect because. So, this book, it's Reed's debut novel, and apparently she's working on the screenplay in, um, like, the screenplay for the film or whatever form it meant. It, it is ends Reese up going Witherspoon going to play? I don't know, but it, it did give me I some little that. fires everywhere vibes. Like, oh, did you watch that? I didn't I, watch it. I watched, um, I secondhand watched it so I watched like the first four episodes and then uh-huh. when my aunt was here helping with my mom she was like I am amazed by this woman's ability just to go and start any show on Hulu I don't know why I feel such because I don't want to get invested yes. <laughs> she, like, I don't want to have to pay too much attention exactly she'll just oh that sounds interesting and she'll just start playing it and watch and it and it's like but what if I what if I get into it and have too many feelings yeah or what if it just sounds stupid <laughs> like <laughs> And so, like, she watched all of Little Fires Everywhere. She watched it, like, a day. And I'm like, oh, my God. That's amazing. (laughs) Like, I know that sounds like a really easy thing, but, like, I cannot just go on Hulu and find a new show and be like, I'm going to watch this. Mm -hmm. I have to plan for it. I want to watch that Selena special. Mm. I'm going to have to plan for that. Like, I'm going to have to say, okay, now we're we're starting it. I can't just casually start it. Right. (laughs) So... So, I, so yeah, that's how I saw it. But this book gives me, especially the television show, because in the book, Little Fires Everywhere, everyone was white. Mm. And so in the TV show, they added, um, you know, what's her face? What is her face? Oh, um, what's Pope? Olivia Pope. Olivia Pope. Yeah, what's her face? <laughs> they added her. What is Carrie uh, Washington. Yes. And the, and the daughter who looks really like Amanda, Amanda Steinberg. So they huh. added that to the TV show. So this which already has all those things like kind of baked in. Right. It gave me big little fires because, vibes. Okay, she was in um, Big Little Lies where they also added a black character. <laughs> Reese um, or Carrie? Huh? Reese oh, Reese, or- uh, Reese Witherspoon. Okay. And then what's her name's daughter? Um, what is that girl from uh, Different World? Zoe Kravitz. That's it. Yeah. I was trying to think of literally anyone's name in that family. And I could not. I had to do a family tree in my head. It was like The Sims. I was like, Lenny Kravitz. It's like Lisa Bonet. Lisa Bonet. Lenny Kravitz. Zoe oh, Kravitz. There we go. Dude from Aquaman. <laughs> I pictured it like The Sims. You know, when you click on a Sim, you can oh, see yeah. that whole family tree. That's what that I got helpful. in my head. I need that in real life. Mm. So, okay, that's, well, look at Reese out here. I thought adding, um, this is still Little Fires Everywhere, I thought adding mm. a black character made the book that much better. And so, because mm. the first book, like, it still has those vibes, but they're not, it has some of the classism vibes, but they don't mm. hit as hard without, mm. yeah, so. Without that one-two punch mm-hmm. of classism and racism. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. this book, I thought, did a good job with um, the one little group of friends, Tamra. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of things to say about Tamra. So, mm. okay, let's get in it. Yeah. So, and I guess I we commented on this before we recorded. This book was published surprisingly mm. December thirty first, twenty nineteen. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just feel like at that point. Tax just, reasons. <laughs> you know what? You're joking. It's probably something like that. It was on her, her list of things to do. She's like, get book published by 2019. Oh, <laughs> she did it. She, there you go. She did it. So, <laughs> uh, so as always, spoilers. This book, mm-hmm. I was going to say, I mean, it is, still feels kind of new. So. Um, yeah. But if you don't want it ruined, we're gonna we talk all the stuff. So yeah, so go read it, then come back and listen to us, or don't. You know, live your life. <laughs> do what you want to do. You can do read what, it any order do you what want. You want to do. Uh, so we will get into the synopsis. I also told Molly it's been a while, it's been a while, but I think we're back. Mm-hmm. I like it. Oh, thank you. I think you did good. A good job. Thank you. All right. So Amira Tucker is 26 years old and doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. After graduating college and dropping out of transcription school, she currently makes a living by working as a transcriber for the local Green Party office and babysitting three-year-old Briar Chamberlain. One night while partying with her girls, Amira is called to the Chamberlain home by her boss and Briar's mom, Alix, Alix, Alex with an I, basically, to take Briar out of the house while they deal with a family emergency. emergency. Still dressed in her club club clothes and accompanied by her close friend Zara, Amira takes Briar to her favorite place, the local bougie grocery (laughs) store. But while there, a nosy Karen and a security guard confront Amira, demanding to know her relationship to the child and where her parents are. Amira, Amira quickly wants to forget about the whole situation. So when another bystander, a white dude named Kelly, offers to post the video online in retribution, she instead demands he deletes the video. He emails her the file, deletes the video from the phone, from his phone, and they go their separate ways. Except they don't. Amira runs into Kelly again, and they soon start dating. When Elix, who has begun to desire a closer relationship with her babysitter, learns of this, she invites Amira and Kelly to her house for Thanksgiving dinner. Her nosiness comes back to bite her in the ass, though Kelly is her ex-boyfriend from college, the person who quote-unquote ruined her life. Both Kelly and Elix vie for, ooh, that is not how you spell vie. Both Kelly and Elix vie for Amira's attentions by telling her about telling her about each other's racist past. Things come to a head when the video of Amira's bad night at the market is leaked and go vi- goes viral. Amira blames Kelly for the invasion of her privacy and breaks up with him. During a television interview organized by Elix, Elix, Amira learns the video was leaked by Elix herself, who had found the file going by going through Amira's email. Angry, she quits her job with Elix on the air and leaves for her first full-time job with the Green Party. Years later, she comes across Elix and Kelly as they live their lives and learns they haven't changed much at all. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, I am going to struggle to remember how to say this woman's name. Elix. 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 Just call her Alex. Your name is Alex. Alex. I kind of feel, yeah. <laughs> I really liked this book. I liked it. I I thought it was very funny. It was um, very funny. There were some parts that felt like really real. Um, I was surprised when I like, I try to like read the books first and then I'll like scroll through online discussion to see if like what people are talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> the discourse around this book is... <laughs> interesting <laughs> to say the least i also so i do a similar thing and then i try to look at the race of the people who left the review yeah you can kind of see a divide here yeah because it'll hit you different based on your own lived experience so uh-huh uh-huh absolutely and i think that um you know i saw this not as like a totally satirical novel but more of that kind of like 
old timey like what do they call it? like comedy of air what is that comedy of yeah yeah I forget yeah. what the term is and it's meant to poke fun at a certain type of people or a certain type of situation mm-hmm. and I don't know that we see a lot of books like that that are popular nowadays like I feel like a uh, earnestness is that a word I think so yeah earnestness the quality of being earnest (laughs) is what a lot of people seem to like in their media consumption nowadays so they like you know the feelings to be right on the page they like you know to like the character that they like and Mm -hmm. they like to dislike the and you know we kind of want feel good stuff we kind of want straightforward things so we kind of talked about this before like a theme that I at least wanted to talk about like when everybody in the book is so unlikable and (laughs) the situations in it are so um uh awkward and you feel like you can you distance yourself enough from the book to feel like you are not being attacked and I feel like that is very difficult sometimes I think so and I think maybe I think the thing is either people would hit too close to home or they're not aware like of these things and they say like well nothing happened because that was another thing I saw people are like it was too simple and nothing really happened I'm like a lot happened (laughs) so I think this is a good place to start talking about the characters which one do you want to talk about first I guess Amira is she our main character yeah I I think so because she's the one she's like the lead she's not the main character she's at least like the bridge that connects all of our characters we need her yeah and i think just the way that she like her backstory reminded me so much of um uh well he's an unnamed character in the sellout oh (laughs) because like she had like i love the detail like she comes from this family where everyone's particularly good with their hands yes like they're not just like laborers or workers but they have like almost like supernatural skill like specifically using their hands and different things and um and they have a passion yeah and everyone is kind of waiting like she's a superhero getting her powers for her to find out what her skill is going to be and she just is not interested (laughs) whatsoever i kind of like i really related to this part where like and i guess she does have like that not early 20s because early 20s like right when you get out of college you're like yeah Mm -hmm. i you think you're hot shit and all this she's been out of college for a while she's got Mm -hmm. this job and i really kind of like it hit me not hit me like not super close but i could feel that like you're waiting to find your like your passion like what's the Mm -hmm. thing you really love to do because she couldn't Mm -hmm. figure out like what she wanted to do and what she was good at and all that other mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought also thought Amira was a very passive character, which I think, um, I don't know how I feel about saying that out loud, but I think, and in this book, a lot of things happen to her mm-hmm. because she has these two like really metal, meddlesome people mm-hmm. in her life arranging things. So, and I think that's kind of like the point, but which also... Like, I'm looking at this review right now, and this girl says that she spent 80% of this book furious. And I can see, like, how, even when you said, like, I don't know how to, how to 
say this without sounding bad because you have this black character at the center of this book that's literally like not an active participant in anything happening to her Mm -hmm. and I feel like that was like the point Mm -hmm. that they were trying to make like they were trying to present this character who's not black girl magic she's not exceptional she's our favorite word kind of mediocre kind of going about (laughs) her life kind of doing her face you know the things that she wants to do and nothing more than that Tamara Um, tells her that to her face (laughs) right and that's not the kind of black female representation that we are always asking for but I do feel like that's very similar to how I felt. Like you yeah, said. It's realistic. In my mid-twenties. It's realistic. You're kind of like, I don't fucking know. I just kind of want to hang out and do whole shit, you know? Yeah. Like, maybe you went to school for something and then your passion changed. Like, it's super relatable. Right. So, and right. then I could also relate to going back to school and then dropping <laughs> out. And then you're like, I don't feel like doing that either. So. Right. So, um, I do like her girlfriend's. I love yeah. Zara. Zara was so funny. <laughs> like, they had the best lines when she's with their friend. Like, the line that, like, kills me for no explicable reason is, like, when uh, Kelly comes up to them when they're at the club. He's, like, that one white guy at every black wedding. He's, like, super hyped to do the Cupid <laughs> Shuffle. And then, oh, my God, Shawnee said, I fucking love the Cupid Shuffle. And I don't know why. <laughs> that i remember that that scene where he shows up and he's got all black friends and they're kind of like that was probably the the best moment uh, yeah the funniest scene for me um because um i do like her friends so she has zara who's there with her doesn't she have like a super rich friend who's like shawnee and is shawnee mixed or something she's got like a lot of guilt she always pays for everything i don't think she's mixed i think her father has money so her dad Uh, pays for her like apartment and all her stuff i think she just comes from money and she's just like free with it like she's like yeah i'll buy everyone drinks and and i I think she might be a little spoiled is what it is she also has a boyfriend like she's got like the quote-unquote like perfect life i feel like they were kind of fleecing her though Well, I liked kind of like that tension because they all have jobs and or in school. So like Zara's a nurse, mm-hmm. so she's making money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shawnee has rich parents and she has a job. Mm-hmm. And then Josepha, uh, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not pronouncing her name right. I feel like I want to say the whole Josephina, but Josepha is in school. So mm-hmm. they all like are at a different like point. She mm-hmm. feels like compared to them, like I do, she does like part time hourly work. She doesn't mm-hmm. have a lot of money. They they don't think about where she is in her life, and they'll like all go out to expensive places and get drinks, mm-hmm. and they don't pay attention to like her, like her, like her, you know, limitations. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt mm-hmm. that anxiety because like she wanted to go. They were talking about her. Zara wanted to go to Mexico for her birthday, mm-hmm. and she's like, "What they don't realize is not only do I lose money by you know paying to go on this trip." She loses money by not working because she doesn't have PTO or any of those things. So I thought it was interesting. I thought it just played more into like how an adult and how like she there's a thing in this book about how she wants to feel like an adult. She mm-hmm. frets about her health insurance, the age gap between her and Kelly, all that. She wants to feel mm-hmm. like she's grown. Mm-hmm. Which I feel is really, you know, now I'm making all these connections in my mind, Danielle. Thank you. <laughs> like back to the title where it's such a fun age. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, everyone's like, oh, in your 20s. But I feel like I was just a ball of anxiety. <laughs> Quarter life crisis, man. 
And on the flip side of that, Alix, you know, everyone's kind of like, has this idea of a young mother, you know, you're so empowered and you're a girl boss and all this stuff. And she's got, I think like, of all the characters, they're very similar in kind of their apathy Mm -hmm. (laughs) towards almost everything. (laughs) Or ambivalence, I think, is kind of more so how they feel. Like, so Alix, I actually loved her backstory also oh it was ridiculous it was so she, perfectly written it was so it was like just for the amount of youtube i've been watching during <laughs> pandemic like it was just to a t like it's not gonna make sense to people outside of this current moment but yes people lived like this yes um she was wealthy she's uh white she just in, I think it was high school, just started writing letters. Yes. Just asking people for stuff, asking brands, asking companies. And she would, like, make them real flowery. She had very nice penmanship. She used expensive paper. And people would just send her shit. And at first, she would just... That was... And you know what? I say at first, but I think throughout the book, that's literally all she ever wanted. Just was to get for stuff? People to send, yeah. Just to get stuff. Yeah. I don't think she had any other design, anything. Yeah. But I think maybe it was her husband, someone who kind of pushed her along. Uh, people kind of kept pushing her along saying, well, why don't you do parties? Why don't you do uh, advertisements? Why don't you do product placements? Why do you do? And they kind of pushed her, pushed her, pushed her until she found herself in this role as like a mentor and like, like I said, like the girl boss. And yeah, she, was she like, really stumbled into it. <laughs> she absolutely stumbled into it. And, um, you know, she's living in New York and her husband is a, a, a news correspondent and they have like, you know, a beautiful apartment and they have, she has like two interns who work for her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's literally, if you've seen like Baby List or you've seen like, <laughs> all these things that are marketed toward, again, women at this age where it's supposed to be so fun and empowering. Um, And she's just kind of like, okay. Um, Probably another one of my favorite scenes, we talked about this a little bit before, um, she was at a conference or something. She was giving a speech. Yeah, it it felt like a TED panel. Not a TED talk, it was like a panel. Yeah, a panel, but I could see them in front of a black screen. Yeah. Big red letters somewhere. And so at this point, she's had her first kid. And she's kind of feeling, again, kind of indifferent to a lot of things. But um, she absolutely, like, um, uh, maneuvers this into kind of a PR stunt. Yes. So she doesn't feed her daughter before going up on stage to make sure that make sure the daughter is like in the first row or super front and center her intern you know who's the one like actually watching the daughter at the time is like i can take her outside i can feed her i can play with her she's like no don't feed her bring her up front they're talking she's sitting between these two men the little girl starts to cry and they're like oh do you want to um you know go in the back or do this or whatever she's like no i can do both so she takes the baby up and starts breastfeeding her, you know, in front of all these people. Yes. And of course, everyone loses their mind. They're like, what a hero. This is amazing. Like, you know, women could do everything. And it's like... It becomes this moment. Right. Ignoring the fact that literally someone else is taking care of your kid seconds ago. Oh, yeah. It's like you, you haven't really sacrificed her. Yes, it's cool. I... 
I don't want to get like too in the weeds on this, but I do feel like there's this culture around like modern motherhood where it's like you can do absolutely everything. And it's like I personally was not able to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, you know, the way that they talk about it sometimes freaks me out. Uh-huh. Cause it's like I hear when I was in the hospital, like I remember I was trying and um my son was early, so I was like having a lot of trouble. And I remember like, you know, I was having the contractions after I forget like your uterus shrinks and it feels like you're being just punched in the stomach One over bit. and over again. And so um, everything was hurting and they wouldn't give me any medicine. It was like terrible, terrible. And then um, I remember like I was trying to get my son to latch and they were like, okay, well, um, you know, they don't take the babies out of the room anymore because they say it's the best for the kid. And then they say, um, the nurse came up and she's like, okay, well, if you get tired, you have to tell us. You have to tell us. I was like, well, shit, I'm tired. I was like, okay. And then she's like, because there was a mother, she's having trouble too. Um, like down the hall and uh, she fell asleep while the baby was trying to breastfeed and the baby fell out of the bed <gasps> and fractured its skull. Oh my God. And I was like, formula. Just let them both rest. Like, oh my God. Because it's like formula cannot be more harmful than a fractured skull. skull. It, it, let them both rest. Oh my gosh. I did so not hear the story. <laughs> so there's this, 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 underlying and it's not you know about the breastfeeding movement it's not about any of that i think it's more of a marketing thing because they say breastfeeding saves so much money it's like bitch you gotta get pumps you gotta get bags you gotta get creams you gotta get fancy bras fancy bras i feel like it's this anxiety that they of mothers especially new mothers that they tap into and try to sell you a solution for Mm -hmm. making you think that you're doing like the most natural or the best thing when that might not always be the case. Yeah. Like, there are mental health issues. There's, like, all these different things that go into it. But the answer is never, like, let's reassess. It's, like, let me sell you something. Let's keep trying, yeah. Let's oh. keep trying. And I feel like a, a, a least, Oh, my God. My chair broke. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like... <laughs> it always happens. I feel like a leaks like, in her descriptions of motherhood, like really tap into um that kind of like a rejection of that whole like she at first was trying to sell it back like oh yeah she they moved to pennsylvania and she doesn't tell anybody exactly yeah (laughs) because again she has to project this image of like she is doing everything and she's the um you know badass mother who breastfed on stage when in reality she feels pretty indifferent to little briar (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because that whole scene, I thought I forgot about this until you said something. This whole scene was sort of orchestrated because she hadn't heard, she wanted to write a book and she wanted to mm. work with like the Clinton or something. Mm-hmm. And she had sent out all these letters and tried to get all these leads and no one was biting. No, she couldn't mm-hmm. get an answer back. So as soon after she did this big viral moment, oh, mm-hmm. she's getting book offers, the Clinton, mm-hmm. the Clinton campaign. It's like, oh, we're so sorry for not getting back to you quicker and like Mm -hmm. she's getting all that attention so it's like motherhood for her is sort of like I don't want to say it's a way to but it is it's like I'm trying to think of how I want to say it's not something she really seems to be into for like her kids she doesn't really ever in the book she there is this whole undercurrent in the book that she doesn't give Briar the attention that she likes there's a whole scene where Briar even points it out it's kind of sad 
Catherine gets a lot of attention, but Catherine gets attention, that's the little baby, because she mm-hmm. reminds Elix of herself. Mm-hmm. She looks like a little, like, mini, she thinks she looks like a little carbon copy of herself. Mm-hmm. So she's she's living this life where she's like, oh, you know, the aspirational mom with the two kids who blogs right. and, and is a boss and can do all these things. But she doesn't really seem to care about, like, you know, the actual kids part. Right, right, absolutely. Like, she is more she's slightly more interested in this perce- or this image of herself as you know the mommy blogger as a woman who like writes letters than she is like doing absolutely nothing yeah she's more interested in her babysitter <laughs> She's, She's like, more interested in her babysitter. Yeah, there's all these scenes where she asks these questions about like what Amira's doing, who she's dating, what she's like when she hangs out with her friends, but she never asks questions you think someone would ask their like care their child care provider, like right. how was so and so? I don't know what you would ask a child care provider I'm blanking on questions. <laughs> but like you would think she would be more interested on what she and the child did as opposed right. to like, ooh, so what are your plans for tonight? Ooh, sexy. Because right. it's like um it's very weird because before the incident at the grocery store alix is on this like path where she's kind of like it's very similar to amira she's like okay i just kind of found myself here she's like uh they make a big deal about how she's gaining weight and all her friends are like you need to lose that weight um she's just kind of like you know wearing sweatpants and hanging out and not writing a book not right. she's literally doing nothing and that seems to be what she would prefer to do if she wasn't being pushed to do all these other things mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I just i found it interesting that they're both kind of rejecting um like their their most primal states like their like most base desire in their hearts are to like not be uh the magic black girl who is amazing and excels in everything and not be the girl boss <laughs> you know white mommy blogger i feel like she wants to be the girl boss white mommy blogger but she doesn't want to do the actual work like she wants to exactly. be seen as the she girl wants to be boss seen. but even when she wasn't like doing the book she wasn't doing that she was kind of like i'm just hanging out yeah <laughs> drinking wine talking drinking with her girlfriends wine. like it didn't seem to bother her all that much no no like she would straight up admit she's supposed to be working on her book she had like she hadn't even started she would just right. go out i don't even know what she did out she would just go out eat she ice didn't cream, do anything yeah she just yeah she'd be at like target walking around <laughs> like she was literally doing nothing um but of course they're like you said both of the these trajectories change yes we when, have to talk about kelly i did not yes like ugh. When they go to the grocery store and the third big character, Kelly... Is introduced. Is introduced. And so Kelly is the guy, he's like the bystander who, because this happens all the time now, he's the bystander who pulls out his phone and he records this interaction between Amira and this cop who's really super condescending. Like, Mm -hmm. he's like asking Briar, like, how old are you, sweetie? Where are your parents? She's like, I'm the, and Amira's like, I'm the adult. You should be asking me. So mm-hmm. it's this, it's perfect. It's actually a really perfect, like, incident. Like, like, it's just everything. The details in this book are great. So the whole concept of like mm-hmm. a, a nanny or a woman who doesn't look like a nanny taking a white child 
or a child who doesn't, you know, look like she belongs to her to a store. So everyone can be like, are you all together? Is Mm -hmm. is he like, it's, and I'm sure it happens all the time. And it's just, oh yeah, it happened to us a lot growing up with my dad. Yeah, I imagine. Do you know this man? Yeah. I was like, that's my dad. Well, I bet a cop wouldn't come to him and like demand and tell him he couldn't leave the store because until the police are called. We had several. I mean, not cops, but definitely people at grocery stores seem to not understand if you're talking to someone and standing right next to them. You're with them. (laughs) Like you're with them. (laughs) Yeah. So he records it and he's really gung ho about like, he wants mm-hmm. to get the cop, or excuse me, the guard fired. He's like, mm-hmm. you can sue the store. Like, he is they ready can... to start a movement. Exactly. <laughs> He's got the hashtag ready. Like, it's insane. And Mira's, like, not down for it. Mm-hmm. But he does, he sends her the video in case she changes his her mind, and he deletes it from his phone. Mm-hmm. And then they meet again on the train, I think. Yeah, after she buys that really expensive jacket. Oh, that's right. I like, I loved her because she did like a lot of like kind of very, you know, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? Uh, not very deep, like just shallow things like mm-hmm. with her money. She's like, yeah, I made all this money. I'm gonna go buy me a leather jacket. Like you go, right. girl. You that I probably would have done at 25. <laughs> exactly. Like I probably wouldn't have gone and got my LLC. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something expensive and frivolous. Or like put it into savings. Yeah, go buy you a leather coat. Mm-hmm. So, and so they run on the train and Kelly like, it took me, I knew from jump I wasn't really going to like Elix. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to be like, oh, I don't like Kelly either. He's gross. Oh, something about him I entrust. Well, I guess it is when he shows up at the club and like all black dudes, because like, <laughs> one of her friends points it out. He's like, they're all black dudes. He's the only white guy. <laughs> yeah. And he just, and she goes to his apartment and it's like all like, uh, uh, is it like all pictures of black people, like the art on his walls? I thought he like, had like maps or like he had like not a lot of generic stuff. It was yeah, she felt was really like, adult. She felt really like it was adult. That was the thing that was intimidating her because he had like real furniture. I feel like it was all black specific. I think the music. Like, I feel like, like the she was music, looking but then the I feel like the the map was like of a black neighborhood. Or it was like, you know, at the beginning of beginning of Get Out where he has all his photos. Like, I feel like he had pictures of black people he didn't know on his walls. <laughs> Those came with the frame? <laughs> right. I don't know if I remember that. And that's going like, because I started this book and then I put it down and then I, like, I, I finished it the last two days. But I, and I don't think I was I do remember her being really uncomfortable with like, it felt like they both realized there was an age gap between them. Mm-hmm. And she felt like he was, and she remember he was like super adult for her, and mm-hmm. feeling like she was, she was sort of like, oh, this is a he's grown, yeah, yeah. When she should have been worried about like, why are you so into black people? Yeah, her friends <laughs> said stuff about it, but she didn't seem to really care. Mm-hmm. Zara was like though, like she hooked me up with the guy with the fade. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And I think it's interesting, like, these three characters, you know, this thing at the grocery store happens, and it's all kind of like, okay, how do we react? And they all react in ways that, you know, might surprise you um, in the way, you know, Amira, you know, her reaction is kind of like she wants to sleep it under the rug. 
This Mm -hmm. isn't, like, her most pressing matter. She doesn't want her parents to really figure out what she's doing. Um, And people don't really expect that from her. They're like, well, you should be out there marching. You start Black Lives Matter point two or 2.0 or whatever. Um, Alix, her friends are pressuring her. They're like, well, you need to, like, take care of that girl. And you need to, like be the big sister to her and wrap your protective white arms around mm-hmm, her. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, she's shown literally no interest until, in yeah. Amira up until, like, she almost picks Amira out because Amira seems, like, so disinterested in literally everything. She doesn't even have a photo on her profile on uh, Craigslist when she <laughs> does the hire. she picks her, yeah. Um, and then, um... Kelly, you know, the white man is like, we gotta do something. We gotta get this guy fired. We gotta start a hashtag. Mm-hmm. All these reactions that, at first blush, you're kind of like, well, that doesn't make sense. And then you're like, no, that makes absolute total sense why they would act this way. Yeah. Well, because then we learn, like, the one chapter ends with, like, this like, what has to be the best not cliffhanger, because it ends in the book, but it's, like, on the blueprint behind her, two streets over from where her pinky hung was a place Kelly Copeland completely ruined Alex Murphy's senior year back in the spring of 2000 before she became Alex Chamberlain. And so we mm-hmm. get like this big reveal that, ooh, they know each other. So then we have mm-hmm. to hear their relationship. And like, it's the whole setup, like the more I think about it, the more it's perfect because the whole setup and the incident that these two fight about is so perfect because like they just both see black people as like props. Like, they're just people in their life. So, I guess we're mm-hmm. jumping... Is it jumping ahead to talk about the incident? Yeah. Basically, they were dating in high school. She was... He was, like, her first real serious boyfriend. And she had had this plan. She wanted to um, have sex with him before they graduated and went to college. So, she used to write him notes. And so, she would leave these little notes in his locker. And they were very flowery. Like, you can probably picture it. And mm-hmm. one of them, she basically straight up was like come over my parents won't be home here's the here's the code to the gate here's the driveway here's where i'll be in the like just all these details and so somehow one of the popular athletes robbie something um finds out about this he's like oh your parents are gonna be home we should have a party and it like spreads throughout the school it spreads throughout the school that Alexa's families aren't going to be home. They want to hold this big party. And she's freaking out because she doesn't know how he found out about this. But she thinks, she suspects it's, um, oh my God, I just forgot his name. Kelly. Kelly. She suspects Kelly told him. So she tells him, no, don't let your friends come over. Don't let all those people come over. Yada, yada, yada. So the night comes, she invites him over. They have sex. She's feeling great. But while they're watching TV afterwards, she hears a noise and she hears music and she hears a bunch of people in the school, like kids from the school are showing up on her front lawn with a boom box. People are jumping in the pool and she's freaking out because she wants them just to leave. Mm-hmm. And so she's home alone with her, her sister and their black housekeeper named Claudette, who will come up, not really come up, but Kelly is really hyper-focused on Claudette for some reason. Um mm-hmm. So she's like, I want these people to leave. Kelly's like, no, it's fine. Just let them stay. So she ends up calling the police. She calls mm-hmm. the police. Robbie, the popular athlete, gets arrested, loses his scholarship, and it changes the course of his life. So she gets labeled like, you know, Alex the Nazi. She gets mm-hmm. this big reputation of like ruining this black kid's life. And like, that's how... That's how Kelly like remembers her. And he breaks up with her with this super pretentious line. Oh my gosh, I gotta hold on. It's like 
it's like I think we should go our separate ways and and those paths should never, never cross meet. again. Yes. <laughs> and so it's just like it's weird because it low key is neither way. It's not that big of a deal, like mm-hmm. for either one of them. But she is hyper focused on the fact that um. I don't that he invaded her privacy. She mm-hmm. he invaded her privacy. She told he told the school about that her parents wouldn't be home and all of this. And he's like hyper focused on the fact that she got this black dude arrested and <laughs> lost his scholarship. And she had this weird relationship about how she had to like look like because she's she kept telling she didn't want her housekeeper to get in trouble. He's like, why do you feel like you have to protect your housekeeper? It's weird and patronizing and all this other stuff. So it was a mess. They're both raw. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he does not see what he did wrong that night, and it's the most frustrating thing about the whole book. Yes. Although, no. we, although we do learn he did not tell Robbie about the letter. He, I don't remember how, they don't explain how he found, the, the letter she sent and she put in, what's his name, the locker, got stuck in between the two lockers, so he never saw it. But they don't say how Robbie What's His Face found out about like her gate code and everything. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they didn't. I forget. I don't know. We we can ignore that because I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> One point that I do love is um, that when Amira was talking about um, Alix like earlier on and describing like her boss. <laughs> Like, if she had said, oh, she writes letters, Kelly probably would have known mm-hmm. immediately who she, she was. was. But because Amir was so disinterested, she was like, I don't know. She was like she a journalist a or something. Yeah. She writes history books. And it's like some complete, like, I just love that little detail. Did Elix tell her that? Or is that what she said? Because now that I think about it, because she, Elix really wanted to hide what she was doing. She didn't want Amira to think like she was like that kind of person. So Did she, she might not. I can't remember. I don't think she told her she was writing books about her letters. I think she because that comes up at that Thanksgiving dinner where Amira's like, oh yeah, she's writing a history book, and everyone's like, is that what she goes <laughs> like? Oh no, she's writing books about her whole movement and everything. Right. That doesn't but it's like me. she could have googled her. Well, I was gonna say this reminds me. Do you believe so? The, there's a mm. big threat. Like it comes up a lot in this book that Amira has no social media accounts. She doesn't have a oh, Twitter. Right. We don't know about Facebook. I assume she doesn't have Facebook, but she doesn't have Instagram, and she definitely doesn't have a Twitter. And I'm like, a 20 year old, 25 year old with no kind of social media. Just I don't know. I don't know if I can believe it. Like I'm sure there must be someone, but she's young. She has friends who are on there. She seems, you know, connected every other way. She doesn't seem like she hates. I don't know. I just cannot believe she has not even a like a Twitter account. Not, even if it was. I mean, the only way that I would really interact with a twenty-five-year-old now would be through social media. So, and if there are twenty-five-year-olds who aren't on social media, then I don't know them. So I don't. I can't say one way or the other. I don't know any twenty-five-year-olds like just in my everyday life i know i I mean i think about the students where i work and i'm like Mm -hmm. even if you're not like i mean it's one thing to say like oh i have an instagram account i barely use it Mm -hmm. i have like a twitter account i only log in a couple she has nothing she's like oh i don't know i don't know i'm not on twitter they have to tell her how to scroll on twitter there's a little detail where um when the video gets the viral video gets dropped and it goes viral on twitter and she's like trying to scroll left and right and they have to tell her no sweetie you scroll up and down It's like, I don't know if I believe it for a 25-year-old living in the world, Uh -uh. but I believe it for her. (laughs) I 
I just like real. She doesn't even know how to scroll. She doesn't seem like cloistered in any way. She doesn't seem like that's. It just doesn't. It came out of nowhere for me, and I was like, that doesn't seem like something she would do. Her personality. If anything, she would just like because that's what everyone else is doing. That's what I she went to college. Yeah. She's expected to go to college. Everyone else is on social media on Instagram. She might as well so start social probably, media on Instagram. I could see it if like she had started one in like 2009 and like never logged in again. Yeah, I could see that. And she's just like, what is this? I can't remember my password. Yeah. What, is, what are gifts? You know? Yeah, but to never that. have one. I was just like, I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> I don't know. And it doesn't matter except like it comes up. It just comes up a couple times because what's her face wants to be nosy, Alix, mm-hmm. and she wants to snoop and she can't because she Alix uh, uh, doesn't have a social media account for her to go yeah. and snoop. And on. then it's probably more of a plot convenience thing because if ah. she was on social media, she would have been like friend me, or she had Facebook, then like it would have, you know, there's scary secret people finder thing like yeah. uh, Kelly and Alix would have popped up because they both would have been around. Amira. Yeah. Oh, it must be. Because I just, like, I could not figure it out. I was like, I don't know if I believe that. So, yeah. So, that's the big incident that happens in quote-unquote. Now, does it ruin her life? <laughs> that's strong. I was expecting something a lot worse. It was just kind of yeah. embarrassing. It ruined yeah. her senior year. I mean, it kind of ruined Robbie's life. I mean, yeah. Well, apparently, <laughs> Robbie's doing fine. Kelly went to his wedding. Oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> I like because there was a detail where they're arguing about it and Alix goes like, wedding? Was I, did he unfriend me? Did he block me? I didn't see the photos. <laughs> and I was like, well, would you be friends with him? Like, right. it sounds like y'all didn't, it was just, it was just a drop line, but I just thought it was funny. Kelly getting so mad on Robbie's behalf just felt like, it's like, when you go on, yeah, Fake. people getting yeah. so mad about things. Like he had a volleyball scholarship. He lost it because he got arrested. He I mean, it does suck. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't suck. But, like, why are you still harping on it? It sounds like Robbie Robbie's got married. Robbie's doing... <laughs> Robbie's living his life. Robbie sounds like he's doing just fine. <laughs> but he like could, you have he, to... Mm-hmm, keep bringing it up. Right. So you could feel okay about, you know, X, Y, Z. I bet you they go out for drinks. It's just like Amira in the video. I bet you they go out for drinks and Robbie will be trying to talk about, like, the game or something. And, like, Kelly will be like... Man, she ruined your whole life, man. She right. ruined it. He's just like, I, I'm fine. I'm like, he's like, you know, I met my I'm wife accountant now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm an accountant. I got a wife. I'm doing fine, bro. So yeah. One important plot point that I want to make sure we talk about. Yes. Um, because I see this a lot in Goodreads, and I cannot believe that people think differently than I do. But um, um, Alix's husband. Oh yes, who, it was such a little scene. He um he so he's a news anchor, not an anchor. He has aspirations of being an anchor in New York City. Can't okay. quite cut it. He's just going out doing fluff reports. They decide to move to Pennsylvania where he can kind of be like a more medium-sized fish. Yes. In a smaller pond. Um so he gets an anchor position and um I think they're talking about prom polls yes, or something. It's exactly what they're talking about. <laughs> Which is like they a lot of the details in this are very good. And so they're they're going through a bunch of them. And the last one is um I can't remember the specifics of it, but it's a white girl and a black uh, Is he the pizza? Boy. He opens a pizza like this is cheesy. Will you go to prom with me? <laughs> uh, yeah, it is like, uh, But um 
they're just about to cut to commercial and the husband says like offhandedly he's like well i hope the last one got permission from her dad first yes <laughs> and people like lose their minds it's they're so caught perfect <laughs> it's it's absolute it's pitch perfect they're caught a racist they're like demanding Sexist. he gets fired um the news anchors truly don't care <laughs> like, they're, they're like, they treat him like a hazing that. Like, oh, yep, you're one of us now. <laughs> yeah. Because it's um, after his house gets the rock thrown through. That's the incident that makes Amira and Briar have to leave. Yep, because people are calling him racist. I think it was, like, neighborhood kids or teens or something, and they yeah. throw the break through his window. Local ruffians. And I am seeing people, like I said, on Goodreads, because that's where I get my plot points <laughs> to talk about, <laughs> who were like, um, I didn't think what the husband said was a big deal. Oh, no. It was, it was a bad deal. <laughs> And I feel like that is, that's a perfect encapsulation of a lot of the discourse that I see around this book. And that's what makes it so perfect. That's what makes that whole line so perfect. Because it is something like someone would just say, oh, he didn't mean it. They would just wave their hand. But it's so like casually racist. (laughs) Like, what are you trying to say, guy? Oh, it's perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, we talked about whether or not this was satire or not. And Mm -hmm. I feel like. It may not be a laugh out loud comedic one, but her mm-hmm. writing and her observation of like the time we live in just mm-hmm. feels so sharp and on point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From like the incidents that happened, Briar's name. I can't believe people are saying it's not that big a deal. I, it was just like one thread on here. But they're <laughs> like, angered you and they're like, I gotta bring it up. Yeah, but there were enough people in that thread saying, <laughs> I didn't think it was a big deal. It was like, wow. And I'm just scrolling through like, a lot of people are getting mad at specific plot points. Like, mm-hmm. there's someone who's mad that the friends are light-skinned. Um, oh, there was a scene where they um, describe themselves lining up for a photo in order of light to dark. <laughs> they did say that. And it's like, Hosefa, like, Shawnee, Zara, and then at the end is Amir. <laughs> and I feel like the point of it, it's not to say that, oh, only light-skinned people are only... It's like... It's it's to mock these things, you know what I mean? Yes. Like to mock people who would think this way or do these things or to point it out so that you laugh at it. It's not saying like, these are people you should be like, your morals should match up to these people's morals. Like that's not what this book is trying to get across. Right. It's- or that someone is right and someone is wrong and this person is good and that person's bad. It's like, they all kind of suck. They do. They all really suck. The only person I liked is Zara. <laughs> Zara was like my favorite character. There's a scene at the end at the, um, jumping ahead, but it's the very end where Amira's on the interview and she's announcing she's going to go, uh, she's quitting. She's not going to accept the nanny job. She's going to work full time for the um, green party. And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's right. Homegirl is out. Okay. She ain't need this. By this, Zara meant the white throw pillow Amira had been sitting on, which Zara flicked with disinter- with a disinterested hand. She with the green party now, nigga. She got money. <laughs> I love Zara. <laughs> yes. The I writing of the dialogue was very funny, like, just throughout the book. I ran around saying she's with the Green Party now, nigga, almost all day. Because <laughs> the Green Party is also perfect. Like, any part, like, the yeah. Green Party. The Green Party. And she's just kind of like, because doesn't Kelly ask her if she's, like, political? She's like, no, I just, like, 
type for them. She's, she's she, a like, good, types, like, freakishly fast. She can type 125 words a minute. She's like, yeah, it's a job. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. I just love Zara. I love, like, every line she said. Because she was the most real character in this book. She's the one who makes Amira realize she has to leave mm. uh, working with Alex. She's the one who's suspicious about Kelly. Zero, Zara was right. Hashtag Zara was right. So... <laughs> You said something earlier and I wanted to say it, but now we're at it when you said this book was uncomfortable to read. And let me tell you, it truly was during the Thanksgiving scene when, so Alix has invited Amira over and she tells her, oh, bring your boyfriend. Cause she's only doing it cause she wants to be nosy. Mm-hmm. And she brings Kelly and it's like this sitcom scene where she opens the door and he's like, Alex. And she's like, Kelly. And then like, they are both holding, like, she pulls all her girlfriends into a closet so they can talk and regroup. And it's just so funny. There is the one thing I wanted to point out, though, was I want to talk about her friends. Specifically, mm-hmm. I want to talk about Tamara. Mm-hmm. Tamara is the black friend mm-hmm. who is married, I guess, to a Japanese man. So she has, like, biracial kids. Mm-hmm. The other friends include Jody, Rachel. Am I missing one? Maybe that's it. Jody I think is it's four total. Yeah. Alix. So Alix, Tamara, who's black and is the principal. Mm-hmm. Jody is the casting director. That's right, because there's the joke about the pedophile oh. story. She's the children's casting director, and she's married to Walter. And Rachel, I think, is single. She's been divorced twice. Mm. And so uh, while all this shenanigans is happening, so they're trying to keep Amira and Kelly separated. Tamara mm-hmm. pulls, Tamara pulls Amira into. Oh wait, let me find it. Ah, uh, okay. So she pulls. They're trying to separate Amira and Kelly to keep the situation from being awkward. And also, I think they're like, they get in like this weird protective mama mode. They're really condescending to Amira, like the way they talk about her. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you need to save her. You can help her. You're the best thing that ever happened to her. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. They're super condescending. So while they're separated, like Tamra, the only other black woman, has pulled her into the kitchen and they start talking. And Tamra is so, you would think as a black lady, mm-hmm. a high achieving black lady, she might be a little bit more with it. But no, she's still a rich, rich yes. aspirational mom. So mm-hmm. she goes off on this whole um, spiel. So first she starts talking about like, what are you wait is it no so she starts going in on her hair and i'm gonna read this because i was so offended Tamara laid the knife down first and amira copied her steps after completing the first roll of silverware and tossing it into a wicker basket Tamara reached over and gently tugged the bottom of amira's braid so what's up underneath here huh i'm guessing you're afraid to go natural oh amira laughed more out of discomfort than indifference She'd been to several events where another black party guest was foisted on her by a well-meaning but ignorant host, but Tamara appeared to be conducting this interaction on her own. It reminded Amira of the one time she'd watched an episode of The Bachelorette of the Bachelorette at Shawnee's apartment. Four times she had to witness the hometown dates in which the father of a white woman stood up at the stage dinner table and asked the bachelor if they could have a man-to-man chat. <laughs> Each time, Amira cringed more than the last. I don't know, Amira said. I like it long, I guess. Want to know what I use for my girl's hair? Oh, it's so I don't need to go into the details, but the whole, the whole so what's up underneath here, huh? I'm guessing you're afraid to go natural. Yeah. And again, pitch perfect. It was so Absolutely pitch perfect. Oh, it was so. And then they have another interaction. I can't remember where she's like, so what do you want to do? What's your passion? You want to go to grad school? And she's like trying to offer to hook her up and do all these right. things. But like no one 
asked her to. And then she hints that she's getting old. She's like, ooh, 25, we better hustle. And it's like, I like how they, so they don't just do the racism too. They do the classism because that is just so, Mm -hmm. I read that scene Mm -hmm. and I was driving. I listened to it and I was driving and I like, I gasped. I mean, you've been watching a lot of uh, relaxer (laughs) YouTubes. I have. It is. It's a wild world out there, guys. I mean, like, that's, it's just another pitch perfect line. Because, like, it's like she, it's weird because she should know better, but she doesn't. I'm like, and you would think she, because if somebody came to her and said that, I'm sure she would lose it. So why do they feel, they just feel like this weird sense of, like, entitlement and condescension with Amira to just, like, start talking about her and like, so what's this? What's up with your hair? Why are you wearing all these weaves? And I, I think it's, I mean, obviously... Like, I love weaves, I love wings, I love braids, all that. I love it. I love all that shit. Um, but there is definitely this aesthetic out there where it's like, oh, I'm natural. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's totally fine to be natural. It's totally fine if you want to do whatever, because guess what? It doesn't, I, I don't care. Do what you want with your hair. But <laughs> I ain't paying people, for your hair. What's that? I ain't paying to care for your I'm hair. I'm not paying for it. <laughs> Just like I'm not going to wash and blow dry and all that stuff before I go sit in someone's chair to get my hair braided. I'm not going to do all that for your hair. So it's really (laughs) none of my business. But it's like some people go out of their way to make it their business. Like the same thing about the um, getting into grad school and getting older. It's like nobody asked. And it's just it's something, you know, you that's a real thing that people say and do. Um. Yeah, so, I just, I just love that whole scene because I was like, oh, she's showing the, yeah, she's showing the out of touch, you know, too far gone. Like, I don't think it's a generational difference either. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> I think it's exactly like we, what we were talking about with the luxury, black luxury earlier, and it's like everybody wants to tell everybody else how to live their lives, and it's like, and I think because um, Amira is such a passive character, like. All, all these people feel free to yes. just kind of spew nonsense at her. Yes, and oh. it's like she's a vessel for all these different kind of like thoughts about race and thoughts about uh, gender and thoughts about class. And it's mm-hmm. just like she's just not interested in hearing it. Yeah, and sh- she's so apathetic that they can just fill in what they want to do and just sort of foist it on exactly, her. Exactly, because she's just kind of gonna nod along until she can leave. I found the rest of the conversation. <laughs> I found where it got really bad. She's like, uh, Tamara had begun to relentlessly ask question about Mira's plan for her career and for the rest of her life. So you went to Temple, Tamara said. Uh-huh. And then you took some type- typing classes. Yeah, that's my other job. Well, what do you think? Well, if you're thinking of grad school, it's actually not too late to apply for next <laughs> fall. Had someone told Tamara that Amira wanted to go to grad school? Because no one had told Amira. <laughs> and then there's a part where they're asking like what her GPA was. And it's mm-hmm. just... Y'all just met this girl. It's like, did you ever, and I know I asked you this like eight times throughout like one of our quote unquote seasons or years of this. Did you ever watch Atlanta? I keep meaning to. And then I just didn't. Remember I said I can't just pick up a show. (laughs) There's the, um, I think it's a Juneteenth episode. Um, Let me ask you something. Did people grow up saying, what is it? Sididi around you? No. I didn't I don't think know that so. either. And people were like online, 
another gatekeeping thing. They were like, well, if you're black, you would know. It's like, we said uppity. Like, yeah, we said uppity or you or bougie in the old, bougie. old school sense of it. Oh, right. But I guess they say it in Atlanta or something. And it's like Zazie Beetz's um, boss is uh, black and she's got like a super nice house, all this stuff. She's got a white husband who... <laughs> You just have to watch it. Like, he thinks he's black, and he's like, I got abducted. <sighs> you know, he's got, like, all the black art around. And so at the end, um, they're kind of having a similar conversation. And she's like, okay, you're just subbing, or you're just teaching. Like, you really need to step your game up, find you a rich white man, like, <laughs> so you can kind of live like I'm living and get rid of, like, all the nonsense. And it's like, again, and they're, you know, she's not as much older but you can tell, like, there's a divide between these two women. Mm-hmm. And it really, you know, it just reminds me of that. Baileys know each other better than these two know each other? <laughs> that is that is true. <laughs> she just met her. So so they have this awkward dinner. Oh, this is where Kelly reveals that um, he was the one who recorded the, the whole thing, which mm-hmm. is how Alix learns that the rec- he has the recording, she has the recording. So then they, like, go home. What I like, though, is that there is actually one scene where um, Amira actually sort of, like, calls... She's actually not passive. She's sort of, like... They go to this bar because he's all... I don't know what he... He's being white and ridiculous. He's being a white man. He's being ridiculous. So he drags him to this bar and he's like, you need to quit your job. And she's like, um, no, I need the money. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, you don't understand. She's a bad person. You have to quit this job. She makes you wear a polo shirt with her name on it and blah, blah, blah. And she sort of tells him like this, like, you need to check yourself because you don't get to tell me one what I get to do. And she also has this great line where she's like, you will never even have to consider working somewhere that requires a uniform so you can chill the fuck out about how I choose to make my living. Mm-hmm. It's like she really like checks him. And I think she has this moment where she realizes if this becomes a thing that's serious, he can sit here and pose all mm-hmm. he wants, but he does not know. She's like, if they have a son, like, will I have to be the one who tells him like how to act around like white women on the train? Mm-hmm. Like who's going to, if we have a daughter, who's going to do her hair? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a good moment. Cause it was like the one part of the book where Amira finally stands up for her damn self. <laughs> Cause that line was so good. Cause like she, she, she didn't want it to be a big thing and like he keeps trying to make it a big thing like that's another reason why he kept getting on my damn nerves like she said she didn't want to do anything about it he wants that access to blackness and in his mind even though she is she's black she's a black girl she's you know a little weird she's a little apathetic she don't really want to do too much but that's normal like she's a more realized character or person than you know someone who's like oh for the culture and yeah uh, i'm gonna go out and do this and i'm always in the struggle it's like she's an actual real person instead of an idea mm-hmm. of what someone like kelly has of what a black woman is like yeah well and she also has to tell him if you share that video you know people won't automatically take your point of view of it they'll look at mm-hmm. how i acted and like mm-hmm. what i was doing and I don't need that mess in my life. She's trying to get another job. She's out here trying to grow. Right. She does. I think one thing that's kind of hinted at, I, so I read a bunch of interviews by the mm. author before I read this to kind of get in like, so she was a nanny. The author, she was a nanny mm. for, for years. And she sort of talks about how like child, child, ah, like child care is just really undervalued, like mm-hmm. nannies and stuff. Because I think we we know when we read it that I don't know how I think. Well, I mean we know she likes being like she likes being with Briar, 
At first I couldn't tell if she just liked it because she liked the kid, but no, she likes taking care of children. She likes, you know, having spending the hours with the kid, making sure they're mm-hmm. safe and doing all that stuff. But I think because she is just a babysitter, she's not even a nanny, people mm-hmm. don't see it as a real quote unquote job mm-hmm. and they don't value what she does. This includes Kelly. Kelly doesn't mm-hmm. care. That's why he's like, you need to leave your job. Like it's so easy to just turn around she tells him that, like, if I could get another job, I'd find one. Like, like it's so easy to turn around and get another job. Mm-hmm. So, but I thought that was interesting that that was part of the, I wish I could find it. It was an NPR interview, and it had a bunch mm-hmm. of good quotes. But, like, she just thought it was interesting about, like, the transactions we put on, like, on love and affection and, like, you know, this this job where you can just give someone your, your, kid. your kid and they watch them and... Because I think that's part of the reason why Lix likes um, Amira too. She likes that she likes her kid and that mm-hmm. she kind of loves her for her. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> like, I didn't want to say that, but it kind of gets that vibe. Like, she's okay not really jiving with Briar because Amira does. Right. Ooh, that is a really good point. <laughs> because so. Briar. Briar's you know, a little she's, weird. She's a little strange. She's a little, you know, she's she's Briar. She's yeah. a little kid. But yeah, it's like if, you know, Lynx has this idea in her head, like, I'm the mommy blogger. Then having a weird kid when you're a mommy blogger <laughs> is not is not conducive. But if you have a little, I forget if she's blonde or not. She's blonde. Uh, yeah, a little blonde kid who looks just like you and you can wear the mommy and me and, mm-hmm. you know then that is more in line with how she sees herself or how she thinks she should be living her life. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, Briar knows it because it's at the Thanksgiving dinner where she has the... Um, so Briar <laughs> throws up at the Thanksgiving table. And so Amira takes her to the bathroom and they have this conversation where she's like... The kid talk was kind of perfect. Like, that's how kids talk. She's like, I don't like when Catherine B's the favorite. And like she's like, I don't like when Catherine B's the favorite to mama. Like she she picks up, mm-hmm. she senses that her mother is not like one hundred percent like con- like she's not Connecting her favorite. With her. Yeah. yeah, it's like oh that was really sad. Yeah, <laughs> like, and it's interesting too that um, Amira is like because you kind of get this as oh she's a great babysitter and she's like no. She just vibes really well with this particular kid. And I think she even says, she was like, I want to do this shit if it was another kid. She doesn't like, cause she, she applies for a job at like the daycare center at like the Planet Fitness. She's like, I want to do this shit. <laughs> right. You're like, ah. So, um, I'm trying to think what else we want. I guess we could start heading towards the big, the big leak. So we come at the end where Alix, there's this like that little scene where she meets him at her, at his job and I'm like that's a dumb move girl you're crossing too many boundaries going through people's <laughs> phones following them at work too mm-hmm. many boundaries and so after that embarrassment she crosses one final big giant boundary and she goes into Amira's mail and she gets the video that had been sent to her of the incident and mm-hmm. she leaks it to Lainey the the producer at her husband's job mm-hmm and it blows up, which is not what Amira wanted. And Amira blames blames Kelly because he does look suspicious, sus as fuck. Mm-hmm. So, but ooh, and I do like her friends. Like her friends were good friends. I like this is the second sort of like women's committee that takes place in the book in a random spot. They're like in a they're in a bathroom stall at the club, and they're like 
drilling her on her technology skills. We learn Amira is actually really terrible with technology, which again, I don't know if I believe. <laughs> like, how do you not know to check like your sit folder? Yeah. To, for extra, co- like, come on, girl, you went to college. <laughs> come on, girl. <laughs> but it gets leaked. She breaks up with Kelly. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. It's like the big thing. I just can't believe Alex did it. I can. <laughs> well, I mean, she does have that slippery show. She just starts crossing all sorts of boundaries. And I guess that because, is... Because, like, really early on, she's, like, checking her phone. She does. And, and she it... does it as such a weird... Like, she only will read, like, what's on the lock screen. Yes. But it gets worse because I think there's a point where it's not locked yet. Right. And she's because able she to... comes in right away. Yeah. And she's able to go in and swipe. So there is, like, a... She is... She does escalate her behavior. <laughs> But she's like, she's shady about it. Yeah. Like she in her mind is justified, justifying doing it because, oh, I'm only looking at the lock screen. Oh, well, I only did this one time. Like, yeah. she definitely is not, like if she had just like opened the girl's phone and like broke it in and read her stuff, that would feel less insidious to me than, you know. <laughs> than rationalizing it. Right. She is like, when she started really delving deep into her weird, like, I want to be Amira's friend. It was really uncomfortable to read. Like, I'm like, this is awkward. Yeah. She's like drinking with her. Yeah. Well, she purposefully got her drunk. Wasn't that her plan to get her tipsy so she would talk? I think it was. Because like, that's why she gave her that expensive ass wine. Mm. Also, they went to a restaurant that was BYOB. I was like, what is this bullshit? (laughs) Oh, yeah, and she has, like, the open bottle. The yeah, they wouldn't let her bring the open. I'm like, you didn't say BYCB. <laughs> <laughs> you said BYOB. It's a drink. And, like, like Kelly's like, oh, well, you know, oh, that's a really expensive. And it's like, but you're also rich, so. I know. Again, with that trying to be down, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I thought it was perfect how he and Illix are, like, two flavors of the same problematic. Like, they are not, yes. they're not, like, I was going to say that. they're different. not yeah they're not the kind of racist you we think of when we think like like they're not they would consider themselves not racist open-minded people blah 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 but they do have these like thoughts in the way they perceive like this black woman in their life they don't really right. see her fully as a person exactly and so it's just perfect and then for them both to like turn <laughs> to point the finger at the other <laughs> So it was really creepy when, so after, like, uh, after the, I was, I don't know if it was before or after she meets him at the salad bar and they have their big confrontation when she meets him at his job, which she shouldn't do, but she goes to like his Facebook and she Googles him basically. Mm-hmm. She goes to his Facebook, his Instagram, his LinkedIn, everything, finds his vacations, his ex-girlfriends, mm-hmm. all his jobs. And I'm like, girl, that's. It's like, don't you have something to do? Like a book, you got a book to write <laughs> But she does find out all his girlfriends have been black. So, mm-hmm. which is, I was going back and forth with whether or not I thought that was a problem on its own. That was another, another discussion point. And um, <laughs> Molly is deep in these good <laughs> Because I feel like I've been rusty. I'm like, I need I, some talking points. Well, I do. That's the first thing I do after I finish a book. I was like, okay, now to go see <laughs> I told you that's why I didn't trust my own opinion about um, the Poppy War. 
Because I liked it, and then I went on Goodreads, and everyone's like, it's okay. Like, maybe I don't like and I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't like this. Yeah. Um, I think that that is a whole can of worms. I, I know, because on its own, by itself, but it's... Let me ask you this. If you were dating a white guy, okay, and you found out all, all of his former girlfriends were black, how would you feel? I would, like, on its own... I would be a little, I would be enough to ask about it. I'd be like, what's, what's this about? Why? Mm-hmm. Because on its own, I can't tell either way if how they rationalize it is where it's going to get you. If it's something mm-hmm. like where it's maybe just like, I grew up around all black people. And those were just the there black is... people I was around. I'm going to sound like I'm watching too much YouTube. There's um, <laughs> a girl and she had adopted. Uh... So you know how like there were like a million stories you see on um twitter over the past year whatever it's like this girl got pregnant twice with triplets in one week no this girl (laughs) no i have not been on that side of twitter this girl um uh are they targeting people who don't have kids what's that are they targeting people who they know have kids well that was just a viral story i saw um i missed that one completely this girl uh, lives in the English countryside in an old house, and a white girl bullied her on Instagram. Oh, okay, I did see that one. She was a cottage core photographer, mm-hmm. and this one writer was like, "I'm so. This is the. Did she call her a cunt? She said something. It was like she said something. This bitch wild, is the reason I'm wild. Yeah, she's like this bitch is the reason I'm getting off Instagram, and it was just her sitting in her yard, it like enjoying her, her life, yard, having a good time. Well, here's the thing about me, Danielle. Nine times out of ten, when those stories come up. I get super invested and I like watch everything that they do for like a year or two after. So the girl with the triplets, she had her triplets. They, I believe they all have A names. It's very cute. Her husband proposed to her in the hospital. Um, You know, they do all these photo shoots. The cottage girl, cottage core girl has a book coming out. Her Christmas decorations are really cute. She is a very sweet mom. She has a big old dog. So there was another one. The black one. lady, right? Not the lady who's like, I'm quite The black lady. Okay. I didn't follow the other one. <laughs> there was this other girl. She had been dealing with infertility. She um, adopted a uh, kid. It was a white boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just like a feel-good story or whatever, I guess. Like, the woman adopts this kid and if they're you know like hearing like oh and they have a youtube it's like catnip to me so i've been following this girl for a very long time she now has twins uh biological twins she just gave birth to after infertility treatment it's this whole thing but there was a video where and i bring i swear i'm bringing this all up because you said what would be the instance where you're dating a white guy and all of their family was black or all their past relationships are black is that your one (laughs) and there was a video where this girl is sitting with her like two-year-old or three-year-old and they're eating crab legs and she's talking about like her the baby are both eating crab legs and she's talking about like how people on youtube need to stop criticizing her and all this stuff and i remember i was watching this i turned around to my husband i was like this is going to make someone extremely confused when this boy is older (laughs) And he's sitting up there, he's talking like he's black, 
he's got the palette of a black man. <laughs> he's got the references. His whole family's black because that baby was sitting there eating those crab legs. Like he was. See, and that's the thing. Like you don't. Like, you I don't, don't know. know. I don't know how you're in. like. So on its own, I don't know. But if you come mm-hmm. to me and you say like. I just love black women because they're X, Y, Z. They're mm-hmm. set. That's a problem. <laughs> but if you if you go home and he's got a black mother and father and black twin sisters and black... Th- <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah. So so that's why I was really iffy on Kelly. But I think in the end, his like... The whole package was just kind of icky. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> But I couldn't, because they harped on that a lot. Because we see him, like, a few years later. He's at a farmer's market with his new black girlfriend. She has her own Shea Moist Shea Butter line. So. (laughs) Yeah. So, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I probably would be weirded out by it. I probably would find that a turn off. Yeah. So, I'm like, it's just, it just reads like you got a fetish. Yeah. It reads like you can't see me from me. Yeah, I just you want to be like you said. Yeah, you want to be down, (laughs) and I'm the fun brandy way. (laughs) I think like that's it, except for the big interview where she like blows up because you know like Alix comes to her house, offers her the Mm -hmm. full time job. She's gonna take it until she learned about Alix's shadiness, Mm -hmm. and she blows it up. And she's like, "Fuck this! I'm working for the Green Party." (laughs) <laughs> she got that green party nigga we got money <laughs> I don't know why I don't know why that line was just so funny because of all the things she's like now yeah the green party the she green did say party. she was working with them first so yeah and yeah. they were such a nothing in the book like she rarely talked about her green party job right. and then at the end they're the ones who are like offering her full time work right like at the end she was like this is my life path <laughs> So, I mean, she does sort of get into politics. She ends up working for someone in the Census Bureau. So, mm-hmm. I just, I just, what was the line again? Zara said, I have to find it again. Hold on. We got money now. Green party nigga. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Homegirl is out. Okay. She ain't need this. <laughs> she, she with the green party now. <laughs> she got money. Okay, that was, it's a dumb thing to laugh at, but it's... It, no, it is funny. It, it made me so happy, so. <laughs> I liked Zara. Again, Zara was my favorite character. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of like, and then the ending is just like two years later. <laughs> and then, yeah. So I really enjoyed this. It was funnier than I thought it would be. She's got a good voice. Mm-hmm. The dialogue was fun. The characters were infuriating. I don't <laughs> have to like characters. I liked that I left. I just really wanted Amira to leave both of them. Yeah. I was like, girl, you can do better. Yeah. It's like, just hang out with your friends. Yeah. I mean, I feel like she wanted to. She didn't know Kelly was like that weirdo. I think she got like vibes from him. But again, at 25. She decided to ignore it. Yeah. Zara knew. Zara and Shawnee knew. Clocked it like the second he walked in. She's like, what? The dude with the fade. (laughs) He's too excited to do the Cupid shuffle. (laughs) So, would we recommend this book? I would say yes. Um, I think that some people, you know, again, if you're like into the more earnestness, if you don't like a lot of snark, mm-hmm. um, if you have to have a likable character, mm-hmm. you're not going to like it. Yeah, a lot of people really don't like Amira. 
or the other two. And I think you were talking about the other two. Actually, all of them. Uh, All of them. I think all three. I'm, again, looking at this, and it seems like people have issues with literally all of them. I think that's kind of the point of the book. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you just don't like that kind of writing, if you don't like that kind of plot, if you don't like that kind of characterization, um, where it's not so much that they're unlikable because, you know, they're doing dumb things or they... Um, are so unbelievable or they're like horrible racist or you know they're unlikable because they're supposed to be unlikable yeah um and some people don't can't get over that they don't like that they don't want to read that and i think that it's not even worth it's a non-starter if you can't get past the the fact that the characters are all of them to at least some extent unlikable so like I'm on Goodreads now too and I think I might be reading a similar review you read and I feel like if a book so this lady one of the reviewers I'm not going to call people up by name but mm-hmm. it's it's a, if the reviewers are really mad because she really didn't like Amira and the friends and I feel like isn't that kind of a sign of how well written it is like if you were that passionate yes. by how apathetic apathetic and like just unfocused this character is it's not like she she didn't accidentally write her that way. It's not like Amira. Exactly. Yeah, she's not a real person. She didn't accidentally not do anything with her life. The author wrote her that way, and she did it so per- compellingly. Yes, that you feel <laughs> real feelings about this. Yeah, and it's like so. It's like you know, um, a softer version. I don't want to say it's the same thing, but it's like these people who are like, uh, oh, this character, this guy, this actor played a bad guy in a TV show, so I'm going to write him a death threat because I don't like them. <laughs> and it's like, but you understand, like, you don't like them because that they acted very well. well. Like, they did a good job and you're supposed to hate the villain in the story. That doesn't mean that you know, this person is bad or this property is bad. You felt bad because that's what you were supposed that's what to a story a- does. Yeah. <laughs> As villains. So I just think it's funny when like there's a character you're obviously supposed to hate and then people hate the thing because you're supposed mm-hmm. to hate the Because you're supposed to hate the character. It's like yeah. so if you if you and I'm not saying this is good or bad, like don't write hate mail. That's that's <laughs> objectively bad. But if you just are, and I can respect that, if you're just someone who's like, in my books and how I spend my free time, I don't want to be surrounded by assholes. I don't want to, like, be feeling bad. I think that that's, that's fine. Because again, I'm not buying books for you. You know, you have to do you. But I don't think you're going to enjoy this book. And yeah. I don't think that's a fault of this book. I don't think that makes this book bad. I just think it's not for you. Yeah. Now, if you like snark, if you like, you know, <laughs> hating on characters, if you like satire, then yeah, I think you're really going to enjoy this. Yeah. So. It's really funny. It reads really quick because mm-hmm. um, it didn't ever bog down. Oh, in terms of like books with assholes too, these are not even like, like, yeah. they're, like they're wild. No one's calling anyone the N word. Like it's a really, it's a much more, I think, no, I don't want to say that because I don't want to. But it's like the type of racism you deal with on a daily. Because mm-hmm. every once in a while, you're going to get hit by something like just wildly racist. You might hit that. Mm-hmm. Someone, someone might, you might hear someone say the N word. You might hear, you know, we'll have an incident where there's another viral video and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But the stuff and the, these characters do is probably stuff that you have to deal with at work 
or mm-hmm. you know you're if you're in an interracial or, relationship your spouse's family if you, you that you might be perpetuating yeah. against someone else yeah like with uh, the natural hair um <laughs> what is her name now tamra tamra I want to call her Tamara so bad. Tamara. There's no other. I was going to call her Tara. (laughs) Um, You know, like it might hold up a mirror to some things that you are doing. Mm -hmm. And you might not like that. Yeah. So, you know, I definitely saw some behavior, especially in a mirror where it was like, yeah, that was me when I was 25. I was shiftless. (laughs) I was shiftless. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, And it's like, if that's, if it's unbearable, for you to be the butt of a joke sometimes and again it's not for you that doesn't mean it's a bad book yeah when i read the blurb on this book i thought it was gonna go in a much different direction i did too that's why i was kind of avoiding it because i was like and i it was gonna be heavy i thought it was gonna be like a I, I mean, I'm kind of interested in that book. I thought it was like, what happens after the viral video is caught and shared? Like, what happens to everyone? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't do that at all. No. <laughs> I mean, it does, it but not it, in the way. Yeah, not in the way you would expect. Yeah, because I thought the book was going to go like, Elix would be some weird, like, super liberal, like, like she's our, she's our babysitter and she has every right to be in that store, but what well, she kind of does. It mm-hmm. does kind of trigger that. So maybe she's just a better writer than I. Maybe she just handles it better than I would have. But I just thought there'd be more repercussions from yeah. the viral video. Yeah. I mean, I feel like or everything in this is a repercussion of the the incident. Mm-hmm. But it's not what you would expect to happen until it is. Mm-hmm. Like, and their motives, I think, are very different than what you would expect someone's motives to be. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's not that she's a better writer or you know anyone's a dumb reader this or that it's just like oh she's just playing around with our expectations yeah so i think that's it i think we talked about this book i'm glad i read it yeah yeah so um so i guess we're entering our what are you reading oh i've been i've been reading i've been doing a lot of audiobooks and Mm. it's been kind of depressing I think I said act your age Eve Brown last time. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. I like that. That was cute. Um, since then, I've read Memorial Drive, a daughter's memoir by Natasha Trethaway. Um, it's really depressing. I don't know why I listened to it. I mean, I know why I listened to it when I did. It's basically her remembering her mother who was mm-hmm. who had been murdered by her stepfather. Mm-hmm. So it's like this memorial, like this just exploration of all that and the feelings. Um, I read Such a Fun Age. Mm-hmm. Um I'm halfway mostly done with another depressing book, Black Widow, A Sad, Funny Journey Through Grief for people who normally avoid books with words like journey in the title. There were a couple times I was about to quote from this book because she's an African-American woman who married a white Jewish guy Mm -hmm. and they adopted a baby who um she doesn't really describe the baby but she says the baby looks like her but she talks about Mm -hmm. how she would go out with her husband and this baby and people would think she's the nanny even though the baby's Mm -hmm. brown or like Mm -hmm. black Mm -hmm. my mom said the same thing happened and it's like wow wow yeah Yeah. just wild so it was interesting um and then i am reading oh where did it go i had just started i haven't even added it to my goodreads yet Oh, you know, original gangsters, the untold story of Dr. Dre, Easy E, Ice Cube. Uh, hold on, the untold story of Dr. Dre, Easy E's, 
Easy e Ice Cube, Tupac Shakur, and the birth of West Coast rap. Everybody. Mm. The untold story of everybody. I don't know what's left to tell. I feel like it's all been told. <laughs> well, Danielle, the South got something to say. <laughs> I love that moment. Because, like, if I had to pick, I can't really get with the East or the West. But, I, like, I, I love Southern rap. I was rap. literally just explaining this to Frank the other day. I, I yeah. Like, in Missouri, we had our Midwestern people. They weren't that big. <laughs> it hurt. It hurt me when Kanye went down the path that he did. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It hurt me. Yeah. Common when he stopped wearing those hats. <laughs> His ball head. But really, it was like the Southern rappers that were like. That's what Ludacris. we had. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that album did really, really well. Outcast, Ludacris, Jermaine mm. Dupri was picking mm. up every person he could find. I guess, is Jermaine Dupri the Dr. Dre of the South? Is that... What's Maybe. The I, puff, mean, I think the Puff Daddy of the South is a better, is a more apt comparison. I think he just changed his name again. Oh, I can't keep up, man. He changed his middle name, I think. I'm going to call him Sean Combs. <laughs> I'm just call him by his legal name because I can't keep up. That's not, Danielle, I'm saying like, that's not his legal name anymore. No. <laughs> I don't care. You know, it's Sean Combs. You know who his, I'm talking about. Uh, he changed his middle name from John to Love. Oh, gosh. So he's uh, Sean, Sean Diddy Love Combs. No, I'm sorry. I refuse. And that is his... No, it's his legal name, so you got to. <laughs> well, if I ever am introduced to Puffy, I'll make sure. It's his, it's his government Or if I need name. to fill out any legal documents for Puff Daddy, I'll make sure. So so I've been on a history of hip-hop kick. Interesting. So I That's feel like... why we talked for 40 minutes. <laughs> So, I don't know, it's just, that's why I was like, I just wish I was there in the 90s. Like, could I, could I, to witness the actual East Coast, West Coast feud, did anyone else really care? <laughs> did anyone care? Or was it just a bunch of rich rappers? I'm sure middle schoolers cared. I mean, yeah, they, they you cared know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm sure the record it. labels cared because I'm sure it made, it made money. It made money. I'm so. sure it did. I mean... You know, you could get into, you could get into these later rappers today. I know. You could uh, uh, get into racial feet. Racial feet. No, it's um, it's Doja Cat. Oh, Doja Cat. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Showing feet in the racial chat. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So I got it. I got I there. Call it racial feet. <laughs> I got there. <laughs> I caught up. They tried. We we talked about this. They tried to cancel her. She's just too catchy. She is too catchy. I know. I was I was surprised when I saw that little year wrap up. And they were like, "You listen to a lot of Doja Cat." Like, shut up! Don't tell anybody that. <laughs> it doesn't help, like, because the one song I like to say so, and that song loops almost perfectly. Like, if you put it on repeat one, it just starts and stops. Just yeah. Whoop, and whoop, if you're whoop. doing something else, like you're do- working in a fucking database, you're folding clothes. That's how they got me. <laughs> on streets see oh i have to listen to that one i'm sure i've heard it but i don't remember it off the top of my head mm-hmm. watch the video what's his name is in it which what's his, his name, name? Uh, i gotta see it i'll send it to you I'll send okay it to you. You know we I got a lot happening remember. we got a lot <laughs> happening in our dms <laughs> uh, what are you reading molly i feel like i haven't even asked you that we just started talking about mc hammer racial and- feed mc hammer <laughs> choreo <laughs> 
If MC Hammer wants to come on this podcast. I would love it. I would too. We keep saying that um, we uh, want to have more guests. And I'm, I'm thinking of a couple people. We talked about one who I kind of want to invite on so we can do Yes, another, that'd be um, fun. Another uh, hoodlit episode. Yes. <laughs> Listen, we can, I'll find a stretch and make it work. If there is a woman... A woman written biography about MC Hammer or even the history of rap. We can reach we'll make, out. Work. We'll be in touch. Yes. Um, I, wish, I feel like I could just Google, like, email mchammer at gmail.com and I might. You might get him. I might get him. <laughs> um, I can't remember if I said this last time or not. Uh, this Close to Okay by Lisa Cross Smith. No! I got it was on sale on the Daily Deals, so I picked it up. So yay! I'm glad to hear someone's re- you like it. I think it? this might be a future episode. Okay, cool. Because like there's it's good and there's some shiftiness in it. You know we love that. Ooh, ooh what? Ooh. So I gotta I gotta see what happens because there's too much shiftiness. And then I started, but I'm not very far into um, Deacon King Kong by James McBride. Yes. You mentioned that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then I, what took up a big, huge bulk of my time was I started reading the Invincible comics. Oh, from, I haven't been reading any comics, so. <laughs> the guy who did Walking Dead. Um, cause whenever I hear like, oh, there's a new TV show based on a comic, I'm a hundred percent like you. I'm like, oh, well, uh, am I going to sit down and watch the six episodes of this show. I can't, I don't have that kind of t- time commitment. Am I going to sit down and read fucking 300 issues? Ooh. Mm. In like two weeks? Mm-mm. That's terrible. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'll do it. Like, when was the last time we recorded? I think it's been two weeks and I'm like 75% of the way done. Really? Oh, Wow. See, I I read... Okay, so this is interesting. I read on this thread once. I think it was like mm-hmm. the book riot read harder. Mm-hmm. And like every time they put graphic novels or comic books on that list, people, you know, bitch and complain. And someone had this theory. The reason people bitch and complain is people who are not experienced reading comics and mm-hmm. graphic novels don't know how to read them efficiently. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it would take me forever. Like, I feel like I'm a slower reader with comics, mm. even though the books are shorter, because I feel like I have to scan everything to get all the information. And maybe I don't. Maybe I'm just not no. reading it efficiently. No, I feel like, because I've been reading them on my iPad, and it has a cool thing where it like, will take you panel by panel. Oh, that's neat. So that is extremely helpful, because it's like a, definitely a different like set of skills to look at the whole page. And for the artist, especially, well, for the artist and the writer, like, if you think of something like Watchmen, right? Mm-hmm. And you think of, like, the character Rorschach. <laughs> and it's like, what is he? He's like, a, a Rorschach is like a mirror, you know, image that's, like, mirrored on two sides with a, um, you know, lying down the middle and the, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. The, so the it's test. like... <laughs> When you look at the chapters or the issues that are um, from his perspective, if you look at the page, it's a mirror image from the first panel to the last panel going toward the middle. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's like, I never would have noticed that. You, there's like a way that you should look at a full page 
um, and how things are broken down and when they're using splash pages. Like, think about Saga, how they'll have, like, a huge splash page at the beginning of each. That impresses uh, me. Yes. I know what right? you mean. Yeah. I still haven't finished it. And I don't think I ever I, I, I had I made that definitive decision. I'm not going back because I just, I can't. I don't, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you want to, what I like to do is, like, I like to use that panel view to kind of, like, go through each panel so I can, like, First of all, read it because the text be too fucking small. It is, and it's all scritchy scratchy. Right? (laughs) It's all that comic scenes. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, expand to the full page to see what I might have missed from, like, the full page view. Because, like, they might be... there, There was this one scene where the main character goes to a comic book store and he's, like, reading the comic of, uh... Uh, he's like a big comic nerd and he's reading his favorite um, uh, book, his favorite series. And the author's there and he's having him um, sign the book. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh my God. And he's like, comic creators are so awesome. And the guy's like, no, but fans are awesome. And he's like, you bought a truckload of stuff to sign. And I love that. Please give me everything. And so he's like, wow, how do you manage to put out a quality product week after week? This is so amazing. And he's like, I just reuse panels over and over again. And he's, <laughs> like, he's like, the art doesn't change. I just copy and paste it. And then he's like, don't you think that's dishonest? And then there's the long pause and he's like, no. And it's like, if you look at it, there are only like two panels on that whole page. And they're just reusing them over and over again. So it's like, there's definitely like a visual, you know, literacy to have when you're reading it. But it's not like it takes a long time or like it's super hard. You can, you can get it pretty quickly. I think it's just, yeah, being aware. Because after you said the Rorschach thing, I never would have mm-hmm. thought, like, look at that. Like, and it makes mm-hmm. sense. That's something, that's what that medium could do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've blown my mind. And it's like, the, I, you know, somebody's going to be like, well, it's not every single And I was like, no, it's not every single one. So I don't want to be like, oh, you know, there's all this hitting meaning. But I know that that's just one where it's kind of like, when I was reading that, and I think I read it like, I think I read the collected one and they had all these notes and they mm-hmm. pointed that out and then I went back and I was like, oh, shit. Oh, you're better than me because I did not read the notes. <laughs> I don't read notes, acknowledgements, forewords, introductions. I'll read a foreword because it's actually part of the story. You know but I, I will not read forewords. I read <laughs> everything else but not forewords because I'm like, get to the point. I will read a forward, but once it's over, it's like, I'm done. I'm done. I don't need, I don't need your notes. I'm doing it. I will read notes. I will read appendices. I will look at maps. <laughs> all that shit. But a foreword, a prologue, I got no time for it. I was talking with Erin from Heaving Bosoms, and apparently she refuses to read epilogues, which I think is funny. Because <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> it's and like, it's if all... I got that far, I want to see what happens next. And it's funny because all of these things are just labels. Like, if a yeah. foreword was labeled chapter one... I, I absolutely probably... would read it. <laughs> Like, I don't, oh, whose book was I was reading? Remember, they had that big deal because um, Zora Neale Hurston they found that last book about mm. the last slave. And mm-hmm. I remember I listened to it on audio because you could get it from Hoopla. And mm-hmm. I remember the intro being the intro by whoever edited it and put it together being almost an hour long. And I was mm-hmm. like, what is this bullshit? I that, it wasn't a whole book, right? It was just her notes. So, how long was the rest of the book? It was like it was a short book. I think I think if you got it, like it was like four hour read to listen to. 
And I'm like, and 40, then a quarter of that is just the intro. It's just this editor talking about like how they found the note. And I get it. That's important. Like narrative to have like where you found these notes and how you edited them and mm-hmm. how lightly you went through but like put that at the end that is an end of the book <laughs> yes it's like let me read it and then you can explain it to me yes i remember being heated i just skipped the whole things i'm like i don't care get to this get to the interview with the guy that's why we're all here right Ooh, last barracoon isn't that it oh barracoon i think because yeah. we talked about it on here Was did i have sure? the same rant <laughs> No, no. <laughs> because I was like, should I read it? And then you were kind of like, oh, it's not like, it's just her notes. And, and so I was like, oh, okay. And then I didn't I mean, yeah. It. it was just, like, I read it on two speed. It was like two, three to four hours. I knocked it I out cannot, in the middle of a work day. <laughs> I cannot listen faster than one. I, listen, I respect it. I, I, I will listen to two and then I'll go back to one and it sounds artificially slowed down. And I'm sure it's, maybe it's not. Maybe that's the natural speed, but it sounds so slow at that point. Then I'm like, well, it has to be sped up. My I minimum just, is 1.5. I can't focus. <laughs> it's like, they'll say something and I'm like, what did they say at the beginning of that sentence? And then they're already like three sentences <laughs> later. And I'm like, I just missed like five full minutes of this. I missed a whole page of, of I plot. I missed a whole page. I gotta, yeah, I gotta slow it down. <laughs> and I haven't, like some books, like when, oh, we didn't, we just both read it separately. I was going to say, remember when we discussed Black Leopard, Red Wolf? <laughs> Mm-hmm. that one was so dense I had to read it like 1.5 because it was that yeah. situation like they threw like everything at you I was like I can't read it that fast and it's like normally I don't like this but I was like I need someone to do the voices for me he was good he was really really good he was amazing so we keep saying that's gonna be a bonus and now it's been so long I like I have to read it again <laughs> well you know what because it's supposed to be a series right I know mm-hmm. there's supposed so, to be another okay. book so we'll get there we'll get there but you know there are no um uh black fantasy writers so of course so i guess they'll just never happen i guess no adult black fantasy writers no adult black fantasy writers oh that almost let me on a whole nother spiel because you hear white you hear not white you hear female authors like we're all we're all just automatically classified as YA even when they're not because because there's that big stereo or cliche that YA authors that women are all YA authors so I didn't know that oh it's hmm. funny people will be like oh uh, like because Poppy War people I remember when it first came out people were labeling it YA and it's very much not mm. so and there's some couple other series where it happens it's just interesting hmm. that's a discussion for another episode yeah I mean you know we'll have a bonus. Or not yes. bonus, uh, bonus and um, a chat. Chat. Yeah. We should do an old school style chat where we ask people questions. We should. I think we have enough followers now. We can do Instagram and Twitter. Oh shit! We do have people who like are following us. <laughs> I think when we first started that, we only had like not not only. I don't want to hate like no, just on those we people. Had some ride or die people. <laughs> yeah, but for like the variety of like opinions and conversation we were trying to have it just wasn't a big enough audience mm-hmm. so i think we could do something now it'd be good what's a good we'll have to think on that because i don't want to i can't think of anything off the top of my head right now so I we'll marinate ooh, on it you know what i kind of want to go back to an old messy one what i don't know i don't like i'd have to look back but i know we had some like messy questions we should do i would love unpopular opinions like what are your your book unpopular opinions or book what do you disagree with or something i want some messiness messiness okay we'll think of a way to get some some mess on this podcast (laughs) solicit some some straight up mess and that'll be our next episode just some mess 
I have a label just added like the mess comes back. We're back. Ah, this is a good episode. We sure um, we're almost we're almost through it. I think we've got a great episode here. We've got some outtakes. Ooh, outtakes. Where you can it. find those. Where can you find those outtakes, Molly? <laughs> there's well, my there's my handoff. Well, did you know, Danielle, that we have a Patreon? And I always want to say Patron. I do too. Or Patron. Or Patron. We have a Patron, y'all. Um, yes, I you, did. You can find if you go to their website and then you look for us. <laughs> Black Chicklet. And the name of us is Black Chicklet. We want to thank our patrons. Um, we want to mm-hmm. thank Allie, Brittany, Brianna, Catherine, Ellen, Emily, Erica, Frank, Heather. I found this great book podcast. Jennifer, Kat, Katie, Martel, Melissa, Sylvia, Therese, Whitney, and YM. Y'all, we could not do this without you. Like literally, like shout out to y'all for really keeping the light, like truly, literally yes. keeping the lights on here. Yes. Um, <laughs> You can follow us on Twitter at Black Chick Lit, on Instagram at BCL Podcast, and you can visit us at blackchicklit.com, which has links to all those things, including our Patreon, I believe. Yep. I'll double check. If you have questions or comments or you want you know, us to review your book, which we probably won't, or you want to... I've got to think of a nice way to say we can't do that. It's like we just, we don't like, guys, we don't there's have the a capacity. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. I love y'all, but we don't. <laughs> um, if you want to yell at us about that, go on and send it to contact at blackchicklit.com. I do want to use this point to shout out. We did get a sweet letter from a listener named Catherine, and she was just saying it was nice. She said, it was so nice to hear your voices again on the podcast. And she said, I'm so sorry to hear your loss, Danny. Count me in as someone who just wants to support y'all. Looking forward to hear your thoughts on such a fun age. So thank you. That made like my whole day. That is so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, you can send those. You can send your messy theories. We want it. We love it. We love yes, it. Yes. Yes. We'll think of a specific question, and we'll probably do Twitter and Instagram because we could do like question answers and shit on there. Yeah, um, they fancy. And, those and stories. if you right, if you weren't around for the BCL chat days, like we'll ask them on social media. You can reach out to us in any of these ways, and then we'll like read them on the show next time mm-hmm. and, and discuss, discuss them. Yeah, mm-hmm. we love it. We yeah, it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. That helps others find us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It helps spread the mess around. <laughs> And as always, thanks to Sweet 45 for the use of our theme song, Jonesin. You can find them on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash Sweet, S-U-I-T-E, 4545. Whoop. So that's it. Thank you, guys. This is a fun read. It was like the first really good read I've had in a long time that hasn't been super depressing or about death. (laughs) That's always good. All right, we will see you next time for some nights. Bye. I owe you.